Well, good morning again, San Marino Community Church. As I said in the beginning of our worship service, I'm Lindsay Anderson Beck. And I thought since it's my first time preaching in this service, I would begin with a little anecdote from my childhood to help you get to know me better. Now, I grew up in London, England. I'm the middle of three daughters. And one day, my youngest sister, Amy, came into the house from playing outside a little damp, as you often are when you live in England. So my older sister and I, um, I was probably around the age of five, we came up with this ingenious solution of popping her in the tumble dryer for a touch-up. Yes, we literally closed the front-loading door and pressed the on button. You can imagine my dad's horror and relief when he came bursting in two seconds later and yanked her out. Such is the wonderful, terrible, terrifying reality of having kids who haven't quite learned their limitations yet. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about limitations and specifically what happens when we are confronted with the end of our own limited resources and abilities. Perhaps as followers of Jesus, the end is right where we need to be. We are continuing in our sermon series on the book of Acts, today looking at the very last chapter of the book. For a little context, at this point in our narrative, the Apostle Paul has just arrived in Rome where he awaits a hearing before Caesar to defend himself against the accusations of the Jewish people in Jerusalem that he is blaspheming and instigating trouble. Three days after his arrival in Rome, he invites the Jewish community to his house. And that's where our scripture reading picks up. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 28, verses 23 to 31. After the Jewish people had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodgings in great numbers from morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other. And as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, will you pray with me? God, we come to your word this morning hungry 
for a word of comfort. I pray as we unpack this scripture that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you have for us from the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. In the passage we just read, Paul preaches to the Jewish people gathered at his house from morning until night. He explains about the kingdom of God, this peaceful and just reality that Jesus witnessed to, where the lowly are lifted up and the proud are humbled. And he shows how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, their long-awaited Savior, come to free them from their oppression. The text tells us that there are some who believe and some who are unconvinced. And this seems like par for the course for Paul's crowds. But this time, Paul isn't content to let them go without one further remark. Quoting from Isaiah, he says, You will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. And they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. This sounds like a pretty harsh indictment, which it is if we don't recall that Paul is also speaking about his own past. He used to be one of the ones whose heart had grown dull, one of the skeptics. If we go back a little ways in the book of Acts to chapter 9, we find Paul, who's then named Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples and on his way to seek permission from the Jewish authorities to round up any followers of Jesus who he encounters and to throw them in jail. This is the same man who watched approvingly as Stephen, a disciple who is described as having a face like an angel, is stoned to death for proclaiming Jesus as Lord in front of him. What did it take for someone so firmly convinced of his own truth to open his eyes and to understand with his heart that he had been wrong? For Saul, it took facing his own vulnerability, coming right up to the end of himself. Perhaps you remember the dramatic story. Saul is on his way to Damascus when a light from heaven suddenly flashes around him, halting him in his tracks. Terrified, he falls to his knees and he hears a voice that says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, trembling, asks who it is. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus tells Saul to go on his way to the city and to await further instructions. In just a moment, Saul is humbled, confronted with his own weakness. He realizes how blind and deaf he has been, everything he has staked his life and the lives of so many others on, his total faith in his own devoutness and blamelessness as a Jewish man, his trust in his own judgment of what is true 
and false, what is right and wrong, all of that has crumbled in the blink of an eye. And he is left, physically blind and completely dependent upon Jesus for his next move. For Saul to truly see and know and depend upon God, he has to come to the end of himself. Over the past two months during COVID-19, many of us have been brought to the end of ourselves, right? We've been faced with our own limitations. And I wonder whether some of us are simply shutting our eyes tight, clinging to the hope of life returning to how it once was. This is a totally understandable reaction. It feels horrible to be out of control, unsure of what the next weeks or months are gonna look like for our jobs or our schools or our families. In the blink of an eye, the things that we once took for granted are gone from our control. Our ability to decide where we go, who we spend time with, how many packs of toilet paper we can buy, how we accessorize our outfits. Everyone has to wear the same face masks, right? We can't purchase protection or comfort for ourselves or our kids in the form of a vaccination. The things that we once held on to for stability and protection are gone. We've been brought suddenly and unwillingly to the end of ourselves, face to face with our vulnerability. But what if this is actually a wake-up call, a reorientation to a truer reality? I have attended a few Al-Anon meetings. Um, I took a class in seminary that assigned us to go, and it was one of the great privileges of my seminary studies. I know several people who regularly attend Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And the thing that is so incredibly powerful about these addiction fellowships is that they are a, you put your worst foot forward kind of community. The description on the Alcoholics Anonymous website goes like this. We are an international fellowship of men and women who have had a drinking problem. Membership is open to anyone who wants to do something about his or her drinking problem. The first step in the 12-step program is to admit powerlessness. Admit that you have come to the end of your own resources. The power in these programs is a constant awareness, honesty, and humility about our own vulnerability. An admission that we need something. We need someone greater than ourselves to depend on. Friends, this is the reality for all of us at all times. God is God and we are human. But we forget, we humans, especially those of us who are privileged, used to putting our best foot forward with resources like a roof over our heads or air conditioning or a bank account or a college degree or maybe even white skin. We can insulate ourselves from some of the pain of this world 
we can be lulled into a false sense of independence and control. But the reality is, we are always dependent on God. God is creator, we are the created ones. So what if this COVID-19 time could be an invitation, an opportunity to recognize and choose dependence upon God? What if rather than screwing our eyes shut tight until all this is over, or clinging to the hope that things will return to how they once were, what if we chose to cling to God instead? I believe we have a million opportunities a day to open our eyes and our ears, to understand with our hearts, and to turn and be healed, as our passage says. In youth group tonight, the youth will be digging into the spiritual practice of lament, which we're defining as simply being honest with God about our feelings. There's so much lament, especially in the book of Psalms in our scriptures. And this simple practice is just one way, I would say one of the most important ways, that we can look with our eyes at the reality of the brokenness in the world and within ourselves. In lament, we acknowledge our limitations and our weaknesses, and we turn towards God. One of the primary examples in my own life of a person totally dependent upon God is my grandma. She's widowed and lives alone in Bath, England, at the age of 95. She doesn't drive, and she's currently stuck in her home 24-7. She can't even go outside to her garden. I FaceTime with her once a week during this season, and she has been one of the most joyful, hopeful, encouraging, and optimistic people to speak with. She's always reminding me of how many people have been healed from this virus. And when I ask her whether she's lonely right now, she's willing to admit that it's hard, but very genuinely, she always says, I'm not alone. God is always with me. He's been so good to me. My grandma is acutely aware of her limits, her isolation, her lack of freedom, her aloneness. But those limits have led her into the freedom of total dependence upon God. For when we are truly aware of our limitations, our own need, that's when we begin to depend on God. Did you notice how our scripture passage this morning ended? This is the close to the book of Acts, and it ends totally unfinished, wide open. It leaves a million questions hanging. What happened to Paul? What happened in his trial before Caesar? What happened at the end of those two years that he spent there under house arrest in Rome? Where did the gospel go next? As much as we are hankering for a nice conclusion here, Luke, the author of Acts, does not seem very interested in wrapping up the epic adventures of the Apostle Paul in a tidy bow. In fact, what he's doing here is quite intentional. By leaving the ending open, Luke is implicating us, inviting us into the story. For Luke here, the end of Acts is where we come in, this story is not over. 
How will you respond? What are you going to do about it? What difference will the person of Jesus make in your life? He asks. The end is the beginning. Our protagonist, Paul's encounter with Jesus, dramatically reorients his life from a proud, self-serving, and self-satisfied posture to one of total dependence upon God. This is the same man who writes in his letter to the church at Corinth, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is why he's imploring the Jewish people in our passage today. This is why he's imploring us to really look with our eyes and listen with our ears and understand with our heart and turn that God might heal us. So, friends, I want you to take a moment now to ponder. As you reach the end of yourself in this season, and as you are faced with your own vulnerability, will you choose to shut your eyes tight, to plug your ears and hum until you can go back to predictability? Or will you allow this time to be a new beginning? To push you back into the arms of your maker, to depend upon the one whose power is made perfect in weakness. Amen.